0: everyone. Welcome to this week's ASF podcast, which includes information found from two different but important and high-impact studies, which you may or may not have heard about. So in order to cut back on time, but still addressing our friends Cleo and Christian on 90 Day Fiance, I'll be brief. Cleo and Christian returned last Sunday night, not yesterday, but last Sunday night, with the revelation that things had gotten intimate between them. Really, this audience doesn't need to hear all the details because the discussion was really whether or not the two had actual sex, complicated by the fact that Cleo is transgender. So Cleo's definition and Christian's definition may be slightly different. In a rare move, 90 Day Fiance did not go into agonizing detail of what each perspective was and what happened on that night. I think they wanted to be respectful, which is a First, feeling for them. This podcast is not the place to debate what sex means in this situation, but suffice it to say, Cleo felt whatever happened did constitute having sex, while Christian did not. I'm not going to compare Christian to Bill Clinton denying he had sexual relations with that girl. I really have no clue what happened. But in the end, the result was that Cleo felt she had been disrespected by Christian, Who she said was trying to hide their intimate encounter because he was ashamed. I felt for her. Nobody really wants to feel that way. But more next week. Unfortunately, I also want to talk about a new study on a topic that nobody really wants to talk about suicide and self harm in the autism community. Luckily, researchers and scientists are putting the raw emotion of this issue aside and have been conducting small studies and focus groups on the topic. Now, They've conducted a large-scale health system registry database study looking at sex differences in the rate of self-harm or suicide in the autism community and different factors that may affect these outcomes. With the onset of electronic medical records, it's going to be easier and easier to gather these large data sets that have consistent codes to document different variables and outcomes. Really About 10 years ago, you would only see this from Kaiser Permanente in California, Israel, Denmark, Sweden, Finland, and Norway, or Norland. It's not an easy feat to do this, so shout out to my friend Meng Chuan Lai and his colleagues at the University of Toronto who put together a database of almost 400,000 people, about 75,000 of which had an autism diagnosis. They then examined the rate of self-harm and suicide And these outcomes were based on medical visits that were coded in the medical record. Other factors they took into account besides sex assigned at birth were things like income, rate of intellectual disability, co-occurring neuropsychiatric disorders like mood disorders, psychoses, and anxiety disorders. These are very important when thinking about suicide. Do people without intellectual disability commit suicide at the same rate as those with intellectual disability? Is there a sex difference based on biological sex? These are some of the factors that the investigators looked at by matching the risk of suicide or self-harm in males with autism compared to non-autistic males and autistic females with non-autistic females. So autism versus no autism within the same assigned sex. This is really important because females have different rates of these behaviors, even without a diagnosis. So the baseline rate of these things needs to be considered in the analysis. Of course, death by suicide is probably a clear diagnosis, but I want to tell you that self-harm refers to things like self-injury, suicidal ideation, and suicide attempt. So what did they find? Well, instead of my clunky interpretation, I'm going to turn to Dr. Lai's set of tweets. He's the rare person that uses Twitter for good. Many scientists actually use Twitter for good, but there's a lot of people out there that use it for bad. I want to thank him for that. Science communication is probably the best possible use of Twitter, but somehow Twitter ends up being a dumpster fire and a flood. Anyway, here's his explanation. And this is in his words. Looking across 15 years, after adjusting for neighborhood income and urban-rural status, intellectual disabilities, and psychiatric diagnoses, autistic females were two times as likely, and autistic males 1.5 times as likely, to go to the emergency room for self-harm than same-sex non-autistic peers. Increased suicide deaths over a 25-period observation in autistic females and males were explained by the presence of psychiatric diagnoses, specifically mood, anxiety, and psychoses. In other words, and this is me now, not him, autistic males and females had higher rates of these psychiatric diagnoses to a level that probably explained the increased rate of suicide, but didn't really explain all of the differences in self-harm. On top of the differences in psychiatric comorbidities, Autistic females still had a higher risk of self-harm than autistic males. He further tweets that actions are needed to promote mental health for autistic people and to prevent and address mental health concerns when they emerge. This should be done by working together with autistic people, their families, and the people that know them best. This includes making mental health care more accessible to all autistic people and doing more to recognize and understand autism, adjusting approaches to accommodate unique needs across healthcare settings. He also pointed out that INSAR supported a policy brief, that's the International Society for Autism Research, for recommendations on what can be done right now and in the future. I wanna note that one thing that they recommended, this policy brief, was to ensure that screeners and questionnaire on suicidal thoughts be tailored for the autistic community. So of importance, The findings of increased self-harm risks among the autistic individuals are consistent with other studies from Sweden, Denmark, Finland, and even the United Kingdom. The autism diagnosis is independently associated with risk of self-harm and suicide attempts. But there are associations between self-harm and suicide attempts with psychiatric diagnoses, and they're substantial. So it's important to note those two things. This is not just about feeling bad about yourself. Suicide is a lot more complicated than that, and there's a lot going on, including comorbid psychiatric diagnoses. There was also a study on camouflaging, but I wanna relieve people of the idea that this is just about, quote, feeling good about yourself, unquote. As far as the intellectual disability question, in this study, there was an increased rate of self-harm and a reduced risk of suicide in those with intellectual disabilities and autism. I wouldn't consider, nor should the authors, they didn't, by the way, consider intellectual disability a protective factor. They note that the reduced association with the death from suicide might reflect reduced access in ways to kill themselves. So people with intellectual disability, their family members and caregivers might hide pills. They might be more conscious of getting rid of guns in the home, access to cars in the garage and that sort of thing but they do have a higher rate of self-harm. This is consistent with previous studies that show a higher risk of suicide in those without intellectual disability than those with intellectual disability. Now this question deserves further research. The reasons behind the self-harm may be different in those two groups, those with intellectual disability and those without. In the immediate future, if you or someone you know is on the autism spectrum, get yourself familiarized with mental health supports. Now I'm a big fan of the American Foundation of Suicide Prevention with a support line that anyone can call at any time. You can text 988 or TALK to the number 741-741. Their website is AFSP.org. I don't know, however, if they're trained to deal with autism. That is something I'm going to be looking into. Our Canadian friends, not surprisingly, have a number of resources for depression and autism And our friends at Vanderbilt University have excellent resources as well. I am going to link them in the podcast summary. So, I know that was a pretty heavy story, and you may not want to hear any more science. Who can blame you? So, I'll keep this one even briefer, or at least I'll try. Okay, autism runs in families, there's a genetic influence. What genes are involved? Well, that's been a tricky question. There's over 100 of them, and this week, seven more were discovered using whole genome sequencing. Scientists know that there are different types of genes. Some are rare variants, meaning they happen pretty rarely, which is why some people say, how could autism be genetic? If only about 20% of people with autism have these rare genetic variants, what about the other 80%? How, how does this show autism is genetic? Well, I can tell you that rare variants are important to the people who carry them. They're associated with not just autism, but cognitive disability, a lack of language or communication of any sort, hypotonia, GI issues, sleep problem, psychiatric issues, and so much more. So that's the 20%. These genes can be de novo, meaning nothing was there in the genome of the father or the mother, It just kind of happened. Then there are those that can be traced in some way to either the mother or the father. They can be either carriers, non-affected carriers, or they can be carriers with who are affected, but they're still relatively rare. And the data set in this study, there were six siblings from three different families who inherited the same variants in two different risk genes from their non-autistic parents. So this is anecdotal, not necessarily the norm here, but it does happen. So another 40% of the genetic liability for autism is related to, to what is known as common variation. Common variation are these very small changes in genes and these, this variation is common to everyone. We all have common variation. However, if you have too much com- common variation or common variation in autism genes, that could lead to an autism diagnosis. We all have common variation, but not all of us end up with an autism diagnosis. It's the specific genes, and it's the number that's affected. So scientists now believe, after a study published this week, that it's a combination of these two types, rare and common. The newer model of genetics and gene environment interactions actions is based on a threshold model. This is important. Common variation adds up when you get to a certain level, then it leads to a diagnosis. Say each piece of common variation is five points. Rare variation is 70 points. The threshold for an autism diagnosis is 80 points. By the way, I'm making up these numbers. No one's assigned common variation, five points. This is just for an example. You can end up with an autism diagnosis if you have 16 pieces of common variation. See how I did that, 15, 16 times five is 80, which is the threshold. Or you can end it up with one rare and two common. So that's 70 points rare and 10 points common, two common. Again, I'm making these numbers up. But people with autism with rare variation also have more than expected common variation. So it's not just one or the other, there's both. This common variation is also associated with language delay. This is things like age at first word and first phrase. And this association is somewhat unique to autism. It's not seen in either trait related to common variation like educational attainment or disorders like schizophrenia. This argues that language development should be a core autism domain since it's linked to genetics in a unique way now clearly this study needs to be replicated but it's something to consider so two important studies this week one that unpacks the different factors that are associated with autism and suicide and self-harm and another one that unpacks the different roles of different types of genetic influences to an autism diagnosis thank you for listening this week And next week, we have a special treat. I don't know if you guys have heard about that TikTok story on autism diagnosis. Well, I'm going to be interviewing the authors, and you're going to hear from them what the study means. Thanks for listening.